been a good day, but it, it, in other ways, it's not been the best of days for yours truly here. I've been fighting with myself, and I have many arguments just raging in my head. So, you know, the next 30 minutes to three hours, however long this thing lasts tonight, will just consist of you being witness, having a front row seat to the internal conflict going on. Let me give you an idea as we start the show. I, I have this war going on in my head right now, and the war sounds like this. Why should you schedule marquee out-of-conference games? I went to Tuscaloosa in week two. I watched Texas versus Alabama. It was awesome. And Sark and Texas get the win. They're not being rewarded for that right now. They should be ranked higher than they are. Meanwhile, Bama's just flat out being told, you guys should have scheduled Eastern Michigan and hung half a hundred and got the dub and you'd be undefeated right now and you would never be punished for not scheduling up. And so I'm sitting there wondering, why do we even schedule these things? That's what it's been like in my head all day. We're jam-packed high atop a conflicted downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Late Kick Live Thursday night, November 30th, the year of our Lord, 2023. Now, if you're listening for the first time, I'm not a psychopath. Happy to be here. Happy to have you guys here. But we have a chaotic potential scene unfolding before our very eyes with the coming conference championship weekend. Tonight, I'm going to fly to Las Vegas. I will be on the sidelines for Washington, Oregon tomorrow night. I will then fly back across the country and be on the sidelines for Alabama, Georgia Saturday. What's going to happen in those games? And how will the committee respond? And how should they respond? And what did the committee tell us this week that makes them look about as hypocritical as at any point in this 10-year journey we've been on now? I'm going to talk several portal odds and ends with you tonight. There are big names. Dante Moore at UCLA is in the portal. DJ Uyangalale is in the portal. Several more to come. I'm going to get in that whole best team versus most deserving team thing. I got some Bama Georgia to talk about in addition to the prediction video that we've already done. And uh, we got a jam-packed show. They're watching us in Stockbridge, Michigan. Columbus, Georgia tuned in down there in the 706. Cheyenne, Wyoming, Chesterfield, and Clearfield, Pennsylvania, both tuned in. As I said, uh, I'm going to be at multiple conference championship games over the next 36 hours. You need to make sure you're following on Instagram, at Lake Kick Josh. You look at the story, the Instagram story there, and um, it's going to be loaded with behind-the-scenes content. I mean, we're so blessed to have the access we have, but that means I can show you stuff most people can't show you, and that's where I do it. I don't plaster it all over this show, necessarily. I put it there. So if you want to see it, you can see it, and it's, it's going to be really, really good, especially this weekend. So let's dive into the show tonight. Also, I got a big announcement from Academy. Uh, if you're one of those out there who's not quite as loyal to the brand as you should be, and you fast-forward through the Academy ad read, wouldn't do that tonight. Really would stick around for the Academy ad read tonight. All right, let's dive in. Who should make the playoff? Which teams should make the playoff? Should it be the best team? Should it be the most deserving teams? What's the difference in that? Well, I thought we had sorted all this stuff out. I'll give you my opinion first. But then I want to show you something in just a second that's thrown this entire process into a blender. So I, um, I'm called a hypocrite a lot about this, but I'm not. Here is very, very clearly what I think. I believe in power ratings. I put my own power ratings out every Tuesday. We call it the JP poll. And we tell you uh, who our model would favor against who on a neutral field. And that's a little fun exercise. And if you're not interested, that's fine. But I always make sure to tell you those are power ratings, not rankings. And the reason I make sure to specify that is I don't think my power ratings should in any way reflect what the playoff committee's rankings look like. Case in point, I've got Florida State either 13 or 14 right now, I think. Uh, and that's just a raw power rating because of the Jordan Travis injury. It's as simple as that. Yet, I think if they win this Saturday in Charlotte, they should be in the playoff. I certainly wouldn't have them power rated top four, but I would rank them top four. So I thought 10 years into this playoff journey of ours, we had arrived at a place where, although the committee had not clearly defined it, we had come to understand that what they were doing was putting the most deserving teams in the playoff field based on whatever their criteria is, whether it's strength of schedule or game control or number of ranked wins, whatever. I test for all I care. I thought we had arrived at that. Then I'm just minding my own business at my apartment the other night, and I see this quote pop up on my screen. And I think, I, there's no way I just read this correctly. So I reread it and reread it and reread it. And it said what I thought it said. Heather Dinich, 
over at ESPN, interviewing Bill Hancock. This is what the tweet said she put out. CFP Executive Director Bill Hancock said the committee's job is to rank the four best teams, best in all caps, and that, quote, the most deserving is not anything in the committee's lexicon. They are there to rank the best teams in order, and that's what they do, so just keep that in mind, unquote. That is not her speaking. That is Bill Hancock speaking. He is the executive director of the college football playoff, and he made sure, did you notice that? If you're listening on podcast, you couldn't look at the graphic, but did you notice he made sure to say, not only are we not doing the four most deserving teams, we don't ever even talk like that. We talk about four best teams. Okay, so here's what we're going to have to do. That's different than what I thought we were doing. And granted, maybe I'm new to this. Maybe I don't know a whole lot about college football. We're only 10 years into the playoff. We're still, it's like, what is a catch, you know, in the NFL? What is a playoff criteria list? Apparently, it's a moving target now. So I got more and more bent out of shape about this as the days went on, and, and Tuesday turned into Wednesday, Wednesday turned into Thursday, and now I'm halfway hot about it because I'm thinking to myself, self, what happens with Georgia Saturday? You know, Georgia could win and make it all a moot point. They could lose to Alabama. And at that point, I've been looking at it thinking to myself, huh, if Georgia loses, based on how the other dominoes fall, they would be out possibly. Let's forget what I've thought. Let's just forget what I thought. I thought this was merit-based. I was under the assumption that there was a list of criteria and the playoff committee was putting the most deserving teams in, and I was okay with that. But Bill Hancock said otherwise. The executive director of the playoff committee said, we don't even talk about the most deserving teams. We're putting the four best teams in. Well, let's treat that as the gospel, okay? Words of playoff committee executive director Bill Hancock in red. And let's forget about what I think for a second. If you're telling me that, and to be clear, I'm calling BS on it, but if you're telling me that Georgia's the the biggest lock next to Michigan in this entire thing, Georgia may be the biggest lock, period. I believe in what we've called the LOL protocol for a while. Anytime there's a debate that you can tell is really not a debate, for example, if Georgia loses Saturday, and let's say some other teams won, some other teams lost, but really it came down to... Georgia or Florida State getting in the playoff. That committee's probably going to look at you and they're going to say, Florida State is an undefeated Power Five conference champ. We've got to put them in, don't we? But then all of a sudden, I'm armed with a quote from your own executive director saying, No, you're worried about the four best teams. Now keep in mind, we're removing my opinion from this. I think Florida State should be in because I think any undefeated Power Five conference champ should be in. But we're not going by that anymore. We're not going by what they deserve. We're going by best team. Here's what the LOL protocol says. LOL does not stand for laugh out loud here, friends. It stands for life online. So if I walked in that committee room Sunday morning when they're making their decision, and I told each of them, you got to put your life on the line. You got one spot left in the playoff. And I got Georgia and Florida State playing each other for it. Are any of you even wasting a second before you say you're taking Georgia? Of course you're not. It is unanimous in that room. Georgia beats Florida State. Vegas is telling you, I'd agree with them. Georgia would be more than a two-touchdown favorite on the neutral field if they played. So how's this even a debate? Um, They can't look you in the eye and tell you it is a debate. So what I'm saying is, I don't believe what Bill Hancock said to be true. I don't believe they've been doing that. If they've been doing that, TCU wouldn't have been in this thing last year. I want to pause again and let you know, I thought they deserved to be in. And therefore, I had no problem with them being in. But if you're telling me you want the best teams, if we're going JP poll mode, if we're going Vegas odds maker poll mode all of a sudden, and we're talking about best, Bama would have been favored significantly over TCU last year. Bama should have been in, but you didn't put Bama in, did you? And the reason you didn't is because you you haven't been operating off four best teams. It's a joke to suggest otherwise. And so I, I heard that or read that the other night and thought to myself, how is this a serious quote? Like, how are we really talking like this? Now, what I think maybe possibly could be at play here is they've gotten tired of looking at what happens in the first round of the playoffs. Colin, do we have that graphic, by the way, of the carnage 
that has been the semifinals of the college football playoff. I don't really need to remind you how sort of uncaptivating the first round has been. It's been blowout after blowout after blowout. I mean, for example, we're showing a graphic on the screen right now, Bama, Michigan State, Clemson, Ohio State. Uh, you got Clemson, Oklahoma, Oregon, Florida State. We could not fit all the three-possession blowout wins on the same screen. We had to go multiple sliders. There have been 12 three-plus-possession wins in the first round of the playoff since its inception in 2014. So it could be that they've gotten tired of looking at that, and maybe they're just changing the protocol on the fly. They certainly could never tell me they've always put the best in. If they put the best in, regardless of anything else, Michigan State never would have been in the playoff several years ago. Cincinnati wouldn't have been in the playoff a couple of years ago. There were several teams that would have been favored over them. They were put in because they deserved to be in based on the criteria that they had in their hand. I didn't have a problem with it, by the way. I do all of a sudden have a problem with it. If you try and tell me that's not what you've been doing the whole time, those were really just the best teams. And then you want to know what the worst part of my day has been? Uh, Ari Wasserman and I are like fighting this battle alone, basically. But, well, it seems that way. Uh, We have been fairly anti-college football playoff expansion. I think most of you know my stance on that. So I promised you a long time ago, once they announced that the playoff was expanding, I wasn't really going to waste your time resharing my opinion over and over again. I, I wanted it one way. I didn't get my way in the end. Well, uh, come to find out, some of you kept your finger on that page of the book and you've opened it back up because you think now that we've got potentially more than four viable candidates for this year's playoff, that it renders my point hypocritical because I've been sitting here arguing about these sorts of things. Let me be clear, or in the words of Corrine Brown back in the day, let me be clear. Look it up if you don't know. I haven't changed my stance a bit on that. Here's the only difference. I've seen Wasserman waffle. Don't be a waffler, Ari. Uh, The only difference in uh, where some people's heads are at and mine is, I don't care if people are mad. I never thought it was the worst thing in the world if someone's mad. It could very well be, by the way, that we get to this weekend and somebody gets left out. It could be Texas. It could be Bama. It could be Oregon. Someone gets left out that feels like they should have been in. Well, you know what happens then? What happens is a fan base is upset. We spend two or three days arguing about it. And then we probably have a pretty good playoff. I would think so. I mean, we'd hope so. I would much prefer that. I would much prefer one fairly deserving team being shafted over what the alternative would be even this year. Guys, you're, you're crystallizing this as like the perfect example why we need expansion. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, list me the teams. And you, you're getting about five or six deep before you get to the Oklahomas and Penn States of the world. And I'm like, do you see my point? And half of you are like, no, I really don't. I'm like, there is no world ever in any year where you're going to tell me there are 12 teams that deserve a shot at playing for a championship. And then we get into the whole, well, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. It's just, it's, how can you say no to more football? And I've already argued all those points. And I think fairly convincingly won, but some of you disagree with me. Alas, I told you when I came on the air tonight, I have been fighting battles in my own mind today. This is what it sounds like. This is what it has sounded like in my head. And then I got to work. And then producer Jesse and I sat in there and we did point counterpoint. And if you think this is bad, wait about 20 or 25 minutes. I'm going to do some playoff scenarios and then I'm really going to be up the wall sideways. So going to be crazy times. Now, having said that, uh, we're not trying to cure fatal disease here. This is just college football. So at the end of the day, no one's no one's dying. No one's going away forever. It's going to be okay, And I'm going to actively take part in it. As I told you, I'm flying to Vegas tonight. I'll be there for Washington, Oregon tomorrow night. I've had some strong feelings on that game. I have had some strong feelings on those two teams this year. Well documented. And then when that one concludes, one way or another, we'll board a plane and we will fly to Atlanta for the SEC championship. Hey, there's word. Colin and Jesse, I don't know if you've heard, but there are strong rumblings inside the organization that they are putting us on the main CBS broadcast 30 minutes before kickoff Saturday. Can you imagine? 
what us allowed to talk college football on on what would we call that like global television they can watch that on the space station so anyway who knows whomst knows what happens when you get turned loose at the sec title game i do know this PateStateMaterial.com is where you can buy the shirt that commemorates this trip and also as of about an hour ago the entire tour shirt is also available at PateStateMaterial.com. So if you're not really into concerts, but you want one of those concert tour-looking shirts with all the dates and the cities on it, wham, PateStateMaterial.com is where you want to go. Looking really forward to the next 36 hours. Not a lot of sleep, but that's okay. We sleep in March, and then we start spring practice. I got several Twitter questions I wanted to get to because I have not been able to open the mailbag in a little while. And I felt like today was a good time to do that. And we have a ton of stuff left to get to tonight. So lock in and subscribe to the channel or the podcast if you haven't already. Um, Take a look at this. So I got this earlier today for, for Bama, Georgia this weekend. I got a question from Birmingham, and it sounds a little something like this. If Georgia beats Alabama Saturday, is it seen as a changing of the guard? Does it elevate Kirby past Nick Saban? Those of you who are familiar with the way I view this stuff know my answers are always sort of boring on this front because I subscribe to Meemaw's protocol and methodology when it comes to judging this sort of thing. And her her protocol was the honey over water. And that is, many people are going to get tired of me explaining this. But once more for the newbies, Meemaw would like you to take a drop of water and a drop of honey, put it on the plate, and then turn the plate sideways and watch, the water just goes off immediately. But the honey just slowly creeps. And that's how I believe in judging football coaches. Football coaches don't get good or bad overnight. So similarly, if you got a guy like Nick Saban, who has won championships at multiple places now, but he came to Alabama, that was a place, by the way, where it had started to become believed that you could just never win again. Like Alabama was Nebraska. Folks were talking about Bama like they talk about Nebraska now. Yeah, they won once upon a time, but it can't happen anymore. Well, of course, we know most of the time that's misguided. What cannot happen versus what is not happening are two different things. So anyway, Saban comes to Alabama, resurrects a sleeping giant, and he's won championships over three different decades now. And he's, he's rewritten the record books in college football and built up just insane amounts of competitive equity, as I would probably call it. I say like to call it, but I've never used that phrase before. And the reason I mention that is you don't just top that over the span of a few years. Uh, Kirby's one and four against him. This would make him two and four. Uh, Kirby Smart is a phenomenal coach. He's built a model program. That's just the starting point. Then you've got to sustain it for a decade and a half. To me, this is how I think about it. You can think about it however you'd like. Uh, But I think about it as it would be impossible for Kirby to have done this and and, and win again this year and win again next year. It would be an historical feat. Even Nick Saban hadn't won three in a row. But bypassing is impossible. Someone who's built greatness over a decade and a half will not be bypassed, in my mind, over the span of three years or, or four years or something like that. So it's no knock on Kirby. No one could do that. Nick Saban could be cloned as a younger version of himself, and go take over Georgia or take over Florida and start the run that is similar to what he's doing at Bama, it would take Saban Part B a long time to top what the original has done. So I never think about it like that, but there is so much significance. When these two play, there's so much significance because neither one of them want to admit it's the premier rivalry in the SEC. And I think it is... um, I'm not going to, when I say rivalry, understand, I'm not talking about historically. I'm talking about because both of them are on the top of the sport and they happen to reside in the same conference. They clash every now and then. It's not like Ohio State, Michigan, for example. And it's different than Alabama, Auburn, or Georgia, Florida. But Georgia, Alabama is the premier rivalry in the SEC right now. And anyone who argues that is, is arguing probably for a different reason. And they're arguing from a historical context or they define rivalry differently. This is this Jesse, what was the stat we had the other night? The SEC championship game has featured at least one of these two teams every year since when? Last 10 years, last decade. 
So the SEC's gone through one of these two teams every year. Most of the time it's been one of these two teams. If you go back the last eight years, only one season has seen someone other than these two teams win the SEC, and that took Joe Burrow and LSU to do that. So how they really feel about each other is rarely admitted out loud. You'll never hear Saban or Smart or any of their coaches or any of their recruiting staffers or player personnel types admit it publicly. But if you can get them off the record, you know that it's a constant looking over the shoulder and they're looking at each other. Or it's a constant looking in the mirror and they're basically looking at each other. Both of them will swear their way is better. Both of them will swear that their culture is superior. Both of them will swear by their player development. Both of them will swear by their recruiting apparatus or apparati, you know, plural of apparatus. Um, talent, not only acquisition, but evaluation practices. Both of them will swear by it. Strength and conditioning, nutrition, they'll both swear by it. And anytime they're in a conversation, they know inevitably the other team's going to come up. And if it doesn't come up, they'll probably voluntarily bring it up. They'll never admit that because that makes you sound paranoid. But I'm telling you, because I know both programs intimately and live amongst both fan bases and grew up on the border of these two states, that is the state of affairs between Alabama and Georgia. And here's the other beautiful part about it. Every coach in America has an opinion. And a lot of them have come from these programs. A lot of them have been a grad assistant, or maybe you were a recruiting assistant, or maybe you worked in graphics. Uh, there are so many great people in our industry that were pumped out of Athens and Tuscaloosa. And so you've got those people spread about the country, but also you've just got, you just got observers. I mean, the head coach at Portland State, I don't even know the name of right now. He's got an opinion on this game. The tight ends coach at Virginia Tech has an opinion on this game. And it's crazy because there are very few games outside of a national championship situation that bring the sport to a halt. Georgia-Bama brings the sport to a halt. Everybody's watching. There are. I wish you could be privy to the group texts with other coaches or other player personnel types or other recruiting directors around the country, and it's like they've all got their take on it, and they will all draw conclusions off of it. There are a lot of programs that work downstream of Georgia or Bama. In other words, whichever program they perceive to be on top of the SEC or on top of college football at the time, they're kind of taking cues from. Well, when they play each other, there is no better metric. There's no better barometer. If Georgia wins 33 to 10, if Bama wins 33 to 10, if there's a decisive outcome, you start to look over at Tuscaloosa or Athens and say, well, they just did this to them. Let's do, let's do more of what they're doing. Let's go meet with their staff over the spring. Uh, let, let's hire two of their marketing people. It's wild. It is wild. Everyone's got an opinion on it. So it's significant, and you will be told that this is another game, and you will be told nameless, faceless opponent. It is ultra intense. It's ultra personal. It is the national championship game for these two. Because let me tell you something else they believe, and they'll also never admit for sake of respecting the opponent. They believe whoever wins this game is going to win it all. Most of the people in the South believe whoever wins this game is going to win it all. Odds makers may very well believe that. Here's the thing with Bama. Georgia, you can buy that. With Bama, you may not buy that. But with Bama, you got to understand something. If you get them in the playoff, you give them a few weeks to get healthy, and you got the best big game coach in the country against Michigan or Oregon or FSU or whoever the case may be, I'd like their odds. So in Tuscaloosa, they look at it and say, if anyone's going to keep them from winning the title, it's got to be us. Because if they get past us, they're going to win it all. And in Athens, they think the exact same thing. If Bama gets past us, they're going to win it all. And there is nothing in the world that they want less than to watch the other one win a championship. The head coaches feel that way. The assistants feel that way. It's, it's in some cases very antagonistic. But in other cases, it's the height of professional and competitive respect. So you want to know why I make it a priority to be on the sideline every time they play? Those are some reasons why I want to be there. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a phenomenal environment in Atlanta Saturday. Happy to be there. I told you at the beginning of the show, I had big news. I got a big call from Academy today. And here's how it went. So you guys who listen on podcast, you know that Spotify does the wrapped. Um, I guess it's a campaign at the end of the year. And what they do is they aggregate 
how many minutes you've listened to different shows, and they give you your top five, and they show you how many minutes you spent listening to those shows, and it shows you, you know, what percentage. For example, if you listen to Late Kick, and you listen a certain amount of time, it shows you a percentage-wise. You're in the top five percentile. You're in the top three percentile. Well, I see that, and I appreciate it, and you guys tag me in it, and I, it's wonderful. The popularity of the show has exploded. But Academy also saw that. So unlike me, who just sits here and says, thanks, guys, Academy said, hey, we've done really good this year. We're sitting on a mountain of cash. Let's give some of it away. I said, all right, I'm all ears. And they said, no, not to you. Let's give it away to the people. So I said, hey, I'm still all ears. So I think, what, a couple of $10 gift cards? Academy says, no, here's $5,000. We want you to give away $150 gift cards. Now, that's a difference maker at Christmas. So I said, well, how do we do this? And here's the best way we figure it. If you can screenshot that Spotify wrapped list for your own particular listening uh, methods, and you show that we are top three, actually, we want to be your number one. You know what? Forget top three. If you prove that Lake Kick was your number one most listened to show this year, I want you to post it. I want you to share it. Uh, we need a creative hashtag for it. I'm pretty sure Pate State Academy is not taken. So you put it out there. I don't care which platform, Twitter, X, Instagram, hashtag that thing, Pate State Academy, so we can find it. I'm giving away $150 gift cards, Academy Sports and Outdoors. And we will take the weekend to aggregate that. Um, Academy already makes this show free of charge to you. They're going a little above and beyond. Like this is, this is a bombshell right around Christmas. And so just here, put the hands together emoji, look to the sky, and then look back down and say, thank you, Academy, as you say your prayers this evening. So say your normal thank yous and then thank Academy as well. We really appreciate them. And I'll see, uh, see those guys, I think, Saturday in Atlanta. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's move it on. Let's talk about the transfer portal. I know that I know I talked playoff earlier in the show. I didn't even get the scenarios. Like, I got some scenarios. I just told Jesse earlier today, I cannot talk about the playoff the first 25 minutes of the show. So break it up a little bit. So we broke it up. Um, we got some big news here in the portal, though. Let me take a sip for a second. Very active already in the transfer portal, and many more names are coming. So Transfer portal is, is on fire, and it, the, the, the flames will only continue to bellow bigger and bigger and bigger. Dante Moore, his name, UCLA quarterback, former five-star, he's in the portal now. Now, we talked on the show midseason about how there were some rumblings that this may be coming. I, I'm not necessarily sure that those two are connected. I know Chip Kelly was thought to be all but fired, and now Chip Kelly is retained. And one of the consequences to that may be some of their NIL guys are drying up and they're saying, as long as he's there, we're not contributing. And if that's the case, this would be a likely result. He is the number one available player in the 24-7 sports transfer portal rankings right now. He was committed to Oregon once upon a time. So I'm going to watch Oregon. He's from Michigan. He's from Detroit. Uh, so Michigan State's got a new coach. Oregon's got J.J. McCarthy likely walking out the door. Um, so there, there's playing time available, both major programs in Michigan. That's a big name. That is the number one name as of this moment in the portal. Riley Leonard, you saw from Duke, the quarterback over there. He's also in the portal. And when your head coach leaves, you get a freebie. So Mike Elko left. He went to A&M. His quarterback uh, banged up at times this year. But when he was right, you saw what he could do. He's in the portal, and the crystal ball, overwhelmingly, is Notre Dame. I agree with that, but I don't do crystal balls. Um, so let's, let's just see if for the second straight cycle, Notre Dame takes a transfer quarterback. It was Wake Forest last cycle. It 
may very well be Duke this cycle. At Oregon State, this, this was to be expected. DJ Uyangalale is in the portal. Damian Martinez is not. So let me talk about DJ for a second. He's in there as a grad transfer. Um, Jonathan Smith left. They are going wherever they're going to go in terms of the hierarchy of college football. But with the Pac-12 essentially dissolving, this wasn't all that difficult to see coming. He had a pretty good year this year. He could go uh, to Oregon or Florida State. Those are some early names to watch. I I think that process is just getting cranked up. Also, uh, Damian Martinez, the running back, is sticking around, at least it looks like right now, uh, but also got arrested in the past couple of days. And so, you know, they, they elevated from within there when it comes to head coach. Let's keep an eye on this because, as is the case with any, with any coaching move, you could always have the floodgates open. And that was a quality team this year, a high-quality team. So there are some very enviable assets on that, on that team. What about Juice Wells? What about old Antoine Wells over there at South Carolina? In 2022, this was a first-team all-SEC wide receiver. He was banged up this year, but I was over on the Big Spur today because I always lurk around and see what Hale and JC and the guys are saying. Looks like Texas is a big player for Juice Wells, and that backs up what we had heard out of Austin. Spencer Rattler goes to the NFL, and so there's a lot of uncertainty in Columbia right now. And look, if you're a wide receiver, I'm never going to blame you if you're looking over at Sark in Texas. And now the methodology is proven. Like now they're a borderline playoff team, that's understandable. It's not a shocking headline. It's just a tough blow for a team like South Carolina uh, because back in 2022, when he had a full 13 games played, uh, nearly a 1,000-yard receiver, six touchdowns, and 2023 was what it was. Tobias Mayweather is a Notre Dame wide receiver in the portal. Chris Tyree is a Notre Dame wide receiver in the portal. Braylon James is a Notre Dame wide receiver in the portal. But Tobias Mayweather is a little different cat. 6'4", 204, currently the number one wide receiver available in the portal. Back in the 2022 recruiting cycle, he was number 14 overall at his position. And I look, I don't particularly know who would lead for him yet. And I, some, some of these guys go in and they're already decided on where they're going to go. I don't, I don't necessarily know that that's the way I would handle that. Like, if you're a big-time player, there will be spots for you. It's not a situation if you're Tobias Mayweather where you better get in there and, and grab whatever high-level Mac team wants you. That is not his plight. So he can afford, if he wants to, to wait it out and you know see which coaches move, uh, see which roster spots open up. So can K.J. Jefferson, the Arkansas quarterback. Really interesting dynamic up there right now. So Bobby Petrino's been hired as the offensive coordinator. I just want to say it again because it rolls off the tongue. Bobby Petrino's been hired as the offensive coordinator at Arkansas. I'm going to do it again, Jesse. Bobby Petrino's been hired as the offensive coordinator at Arkansas. It gives me the goosies just to say it out loud. Well, there, there, there are debates, let's just say, in Northwest Arkansas right now about whether K.J. Jefferson is a, quote, Petrino QB, unquote. And no matter what your opinion is, it has been shared on hogsports.com. I am a regular lurker and occasional poster over there, and it has been shared, no matter what you think. Well, if he's out the door, and there's no decision that's been made publicly, but if KJ's out the door, where could they go? And for the record, Zenitz and Hummer have both been all over this on our side, and they both think KJ's likely headed to the portal. Most people around the program think he's likely headed to the portal. I don't... I don't know what their plan is at quarterback, uh, but it's, it doesn't sound like they are overly you know, distraught about the concept of KJ moving on. They respect him. They love the sacrifice he's made for the program. No ill will, no anything like that. I've, just, I've listened to Pittman talk about it a couple of times. I've read the tea leaves. It kind of sounds like it would, it would be sort of wish him well. You'll come back here in 10 years and we will have a day honoring you and we'll retire your jersey and, and you'll be remembered forever here. But if it's, if it's here that we part ways, that's cool. We're comfortable. Uh, we'll probably go find a guy who fits this new offensive system better and we will do everything we can to help you find a good landing spot. And if that's the case, that's the case. Wouldn't be the first time that's ever happened. The transfer portal 
is right now already ablaze. But let me remind you that December 4th is the day. Monday. That's the day. That's the day when everything is going to go haywire. That's the day when we are going to have our show here at 24-7. And um, I am I'm sort of mentally preparing now because we're going to be coming out of conference championship weekend. We're going to be coming off of a Sunday, which is the selection Sunday. And I'm just someone who talks in a mic. Imagine being a coach. Imagine being a coach coaching this weekend. Imagine being a coach whose team wins this weekend and you make the playoff. What if you're Dan Lanning? What if you're Kalen DeBoer? You know, what, what, if you're, what if you're Mike Norvell? And you win and you're in, and then all of a sudden the most important period of, of talent acquisition and roster construction is upon you as you're supposed to be getting ready for a bowl game. Oh, and the early signing days around the corner too. But don't worry, you guys are paid millions of dollars, so you magically get 36 hours in your day, whereas the rest of us only have 24. I'm told that's how that works. And I'm also told don't feel sorry for you. Kalispell, Montana is tuned in. Pretty sure on the pronunciation there. Kyle, Texas is tuned in. Memphis, Tennessee tuned in. Thank you guys so much. Okay, now we circle all the way back. And now it's time to talk about what many of you have spent your days and weeks talking about, and I have been reluctantly but forcefully drawn in, and that is college football playoff scenarios. What happens if? What do we do if? That's been what I've avoided. I've watched it from the outside because I thought to myself, self, this will all work itself out. And I was wrong. And as is usually the case when I'm wrong, I wasn't actually wrong. When I'm wrong, it's because a coach or a kid or an official screwed it up. And in this case, there were supposed to be more upsets, and there weren't. And so here we are. We're going into conference championship Saturday. The Pac-12 championship games tomorrow night, and then we got the other title games on Saturday. And we're still asking questions like, what if all the undefeated teams win? And we've got Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and Florida State there. Do you realize how Bill Hancock's statement that we talked about earlier in the show comes into play? Colin, I I didn't tell you to do this. If you can't, just let me know. Could you scroll in that computer of yours in there? Could you bring me Bill Hancock's quote back up? Thank you. So I want you to think along with me here. Think about the undefeated teams winning out. Georgia wins out, or, or Michigan wins, they're in. But Washington and Florida State, what if they win? And now we go back to Bill Hancock, executive director of the playoff, Bill Hancock, saying, our job is to rank the four best teams. That most deserving is not anything in our lexicon quote. That's what I want you to pay attention to. We continue the quote. They are there to rank the best teams in order. That's what they do. Keep that in mind. So Bill Hancock says, most deserving is not part of our equation. We strictly care about the best. Well, here's what I want. If this happens, if the undefeateds win, if it's Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, I need Bill Hancock or I need Boo Corgan or I need some committee official on the record and I need them to look a camera in the eye and I need them to say Florida State is not more deserving than Texas, they're better. Florida State, not more deserving than Alabama, Washington, or Oregon, or whoever would be there. They're better. They're better than Ohio State. They're better. And then I would like an odds maker to walk in the room. Mind you, this is not how I think this should work, but it's Hancock's words, not mine. And I want an odds maker to say, sir, we would favor Oregon even with two losses, by about 11 or 12 over Florida State right now. What do we do? Well, according to his words, you put Oregon in. They're not going to, of course. So that's one of many reasons why I had a problem with that quote. How do we handle Alabama? Let's just talk about this. You know, I slightly leaned Alabama to win the SEC title game, so maybe I'm wrong, but if I'm right, what's going to happen with them? I think it's the... Jesse, would you say this is the biggest single debate point right now? Because you listen to this stuff more than I do. Is Alabama being in if they win? Is that what's being debated the most? Okay, Jesse says pretty much. Way to take a stance, Jesse. So is Alabama going to be in? Well, if they lose, no. If Alabama wins, are they going to be in? Listen to me. I think so. I think they will be in if they win. I think they probably should be if they're in. Now, here is what we know. We know they don't control their own destiny. We know 
not according to what Bill Hancock says, but according to what that committee actually does, we know that if Florida State wins and Washington wins and Michigan wins and let's say Texas wins, Bama's not going to get in. Now, I would look at you and say, I don't have a problem with that because I think most deserving actually comes into play here. However, I will also tell you, if you claim you want to put the best teams in, there is not a world under this sun where Alabama does not belong in. Bama absolutely belongs in. So I don't think that the chalk's holding this weekend. That's the point I'm trying to arrive at. I think Washington will lose tomorrow night. I think Florida State's got a pretty good shot to lose Saturday. By the way, the weather forecast in Charlotte looks gross. And it always befuddles me how a conference can be the ACC and can reside in a geographical footprint where there are domed stadiums, and yet they're playing their conference title game outdoors in December. Weather's going to be a factor Saturday, and it is your fault, not anyone else's. I love the weather, but I don't control the weather. So um, I think Bama needs one or two dominoes to fall, but I think one or two of them will fall. Uh, I think they need Washington or Florida State to lose, and especially if both of them lose, then it's really game on for them. But I am very fascinated, as I have been for a while, at the potential Texas-Bama-Oregon conundrum. So let's, let's, let's walk you through this for a second. What if Michigan wins, and they will? What if Washington wins? What if Washington upsets Oregon? They've done it once already this year. And what if Florida State wins? They're a small favorite. This is more than a reasonable path that we could see. And then, so what if we got Michigan and Washington and Florida State there? And if they win, by the way, I think those three are in. And then Texas wins, and Bama wins, and they're sitting there. And and we've got this debate about Texas-Bama. I don't think it's much of a debate, because I respect on-field results. But I've heard more and more sentiment growing about how Bama should be in over Texas. It doesn't make much sense to me. But, again, if if we're going down this road, Bill Hancock has taken us down about best over most deserving, none of it matters. None of that merit-based stuff matters. None of your on-the-field results matter. It's just, who would Vegas favor right now? That is not competition to me. That's not sports to me. But, hey, if we're looking for best over most deserving, then all of a sudden, I guess we have a debate there. Um, How would Georgia get handled? Uh, This kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier today. How would Georgia get handled? And, by the way, before I get to Georgia, you know what? The most likely thing with Bama is they end up in a one-on-one scenario with Oregon. To me, that's the most likely. Like, I think Michigan's going to win. I think Texas is going to win. And I think, I think both of them are in. I, I think that we're going to end up getting to a place where maybe you've got Bama-Oregon with one spot left. And I know that Oregon's been ranked ahead of Bama right now. I'm not so sure they get in over Bama. Like, I'm looking at the resumes, and I have no clue how they're ranked above them right now. Um, I would power rate Oregon slightly above Alabama, but power rating and ranking are supposed to be two different things. Uh, The committee claims to care about certain things, and I've looked at those certain things, and Bama has the edges, and yet Oregon's ranked not only above them, but Texas as well. Be that as it may, I don't think there's much of a world where that committee watches Bama beat Georgia if it happens and win the SEC, and you got a one-loss Nick Saban with a conference ring down there, and you tell him, sorry, we don't have room for you, and you grant the Pac-12 champ access instead. Not an undefeated Pac-12 champ, a one-loss Pac-12 champ. I don't don't think that's going to happen, if I had to guess how that committee acts. So I think there's still a lot to be decided, regardless of what the order of ranking is right now. Now I want to talk about how Georgia would be handled. I was doing, uh, I've been doing radio all week, and uh, this has been a surprising point of debate. But again... If we go back to Bill Hancock world, it should be a debate. If we're going by Bill Hancock, and if we're talking about who the best teams are, there is no way, whether they win or lose Saturday, that Georgia's not one of the four best teams in the country. I don't really care who else wins. All the favorites could win for all I care. If Georgia's the one who loses, Georgia's in if you're putting the four best in. I don't think that's what they'll do because I don't think that's what they do. So if Georgia loses to Bama Saturday, uh, let's say we've got a Michigan in there and we got Bama in there and we got Texas in there. 
and we're looking around saying, uh, well, well, Oregon won Friday night and Florida State won. Who are we putting in? You putting a you putting a one loss non-conference champ Georgia in over undefeated FSU? You putting one loss non-conference champ Georgia in over Oregon? If we're putting the best in, the answer is yes. Especially with the Florida State example. Georgia's unequivocally better than Florida State. They're not going to do it, guys, is what I'm trying to tell you. Florida State is absolutely in over Georgia. I'd argue they should be because merit matters. Results on the field matter. At least I think in a blended world of power and merit, that's the way it should look. And Oregon would be in over Georgia. Um, That's the way I think it would shake out. Now, whether it should shake out that way is a different conversation. I think that's the way it would shake out. Because the other thing, here's, here's what the other alternative is. The other alternative is we go from arguing whether any SEC team's going to be in for three weeks to two of them being in. You'd think they're about to let that happen. I don't think they're letting that happen either. So I sound a little jaded towards the committee. If I sound that way, it's because I am. I just want to broach what I call the unfathomables. It's in the distant fourth quadrant of my piece of paper here. The unfathomables are the scenarios we have not dared touch because we don't think they're going to happen. It's Michigan losing. No one thinks that can happen. I agree with you. But do you notice the other one? The other one we're not touching is Texas losing. Everyone thinks Texas is going to win. I do too. I think they're winning and covering. But unlike Michigan, Iowa, the Texas line is 14 and a half. Like 14 and a half point favorites lose all the time. And Texas has not fared well against Oklahoma State in recent history. So, I mean, Mike Gundy's at his best when they're underdogs. If that one were to happen, uh, then you got a little chaotic scenario playing out because there's this world, and I had to write it down on a post-it because this is how crazy it would be. I want you to think about how backwards this is. I believe if there was, let's just say, one spot available and you had Texas, Oregon, and Alabama vying for that final spot, I don't think Alabama can get the spot because I don't think you can put Bama in over Texas. However, if and, and that means Oregon would go. I, I think Oregon would probably end up going. They, they may end up going. And if I remove Texas from that equation, it all of a sudden opens the dam where Alabama doesn't have this little artificial ceiling built in on top of it due to head-to-head. I think Bama could go over Oregon. So like Bama and Oregon were in both scenarios and in scenario A, Oregon went over Bama, scenario B, Bama went over Oregon. Yeah. So that's where we are right now in the world of the hypothetical. Now you see why I never participate in this stuff. Let's continue. Uh, As I said, I opened up the late kick inbox today and we had some interesting questions. I need you to do me a favor, by the way, if you're watching live, I need to buy Jesse and Colin Christmas presents and we need the channel to be profitable which means I need you to like the video if you haven't already because less than a quarter of you have. Thank you. Not from me, from Colin and Jesse. So I got a question earlier today. I'm going to take a sip from the chalice and give myself time to proofread it. Um, Trey, okay. Got a question from Trey down in Coral Springs, Florida. He says, what are your thoughts on Miami flipping Justin Scott from Ohio State? Well, it's really, really big. Uh, that is a five-star defensive lineman in the 2024 cycle out of Chicago, 6'4", 310. That puts Miami at number five in the team rankings. More on that in a second. As I always tell you when it comes to recruiting with the teams in Florida, everybody should care about it. I don't care if you, don't, if you, if you claim to not care about recruiting and you're not a Miami fan. You ought to care about this for reasons I'll talk about in a second. Miami if, if they, I, I, let me go ahead and get ahead of the comment section. Yes, I know nothing is official until they sign on the dotted line. Yes, I know. I get it. I get it. I get it. Okay. With that caveat out of the way, won't do much good. With that out of the way, Miami Landon Justin Scott moves them up to number five in the overall team rankings. They will never stop swinging at Miami. They are never going to stop swinging. They will continue to be active. None of your commitments are safe until they sign on the dotted line from Miami because Miami's going to do whatever they need to do. I mean, right before I came on air, by the way, uh, let me go pull it up right quick. I want to properly attribute this. B. Mitch, whomstever that may be, 
said, oh, Miami's paying for players again. What am I even supposed to do with that? I'm not denying this kid probably got a hefty NIL deal. I'm asking you, what am I supposed to do with this? Am I supposed to reasonably assume that Miami's out here trafficking in the NIL game, but no one else is? Like this kid looked around at all his offers, and it was room and board and books paid for and scholarship, and then Miami came in and said, oh, we'll give you all that and some cash. You, you think, are you ignorant enough to think that's how recruiting's working right now? Don't be mad just because Miami happened to play the game better than you or more lucrative than you on this particular equation. Like, what are we talking about right now? I know 10 years ago, it was really in vogue if you lost a recruit to go sour grapes mode and say, oh, the check must have cleared. Oh, the bag man must have shown up. That doesn't work anymore, guys. That doesn't work. That's like if you go to a job interview with your shirt untucked and I wear a three-piece suit and I get the job and you say, well, you dressed up for the interview. Like, what kind of idiot would I be if I didn't? What kind of idiot would I be if I didn't participate in NIL right now? It's a weapon at your disposal. Use it as often as you can. I'm looking at the state of Florida right now. Florida State has the number three class in the 24-7 sports recruiting rankings. Miami's number five, Florida's number six. I've told you once, if I've told you a thousand times, the key to competitive balance in this sport is not an expanded playoff. The key to competitive balance in this sport is the in-state teams in Florida and the in-state teams in Texas and Southern California keeping a majority of their talent home. Now, Justin Scott is not from Florida, but Justin Scott notwithstanding, a majority of the kids these programs are landing are in-state kids. If this is happening, yes, it's good for Florida, Florida State, and Miami. Yes, it's good for A&M in Texas. Yes, it's good for Southern Cal. That's not the totality of the thing. The totality is, if we think about the playoff, if we think about who's dominated the sport, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, uh, those are the teams that over the past decade have become synonymous with the, the final playoff picture. Yeah, they do it with homegrown kids, but their rosters are littered. Bama won a national championship a few years ago, and their entire secondary was from South Florida. None of the kids were from Alabama. They got them all from South Florida. If you change the dynamic just a little bit, and just, just one or two kids that Georgia or Clemson or Bama would have gotten end up staying home per cycle, that is a big difference. Think about in these big games, conference title and playoff games, Think about how many times you see one or two plays change the outcome, which changes the course of a season in history, and you look at who's making the play. It's just a premier athlete. What if that premier athlete, instead of being in Athens, Georgia, was in Austin, Texas, or Tallahassee, Florida? You think this stuff doesn't matter? It matters. It matters a great deal. Player by player, even on an individual level, it matters a great deal. And so that's why I always harp on the recruiting rankings. While they're not an exact science, it is by far the best metric we have in our business and industry to gauge who's acquiring uh, the talent level needed to compete at the highest levels. Watch what Florida State, Miami, and FSU do. Watch what Texas and A&M and the rest of the in-state schools out there do. And watch what Southern Cal does. That's a big, big key to understanding what the rest of the country is or isn't being able to do. Uh, right now, depending on where you are, you may or may not be able to bet. One day down the road, all of you will be able to log into FanDuel and place wagers. I'm not, I don't know. I probably am not scheduled to speak before Congress on this anytime soon, but I will tell you this. We were perusing the FanDuel prop betting market earlier today. You know they've got some prop bets out there now where you can bet the exact order of the playoff. If you think you've got a little eye for what's going to happen this weekend and you want to make some coin, go lay it down over there at FanDuel. They've got it. They got it ready for you. You can bet teams individually. Yes or no, will they make the playoff? But also, if you think you know the exact order, you think you know the final four, go check it out. FanDuel is our exclusive odds betting provider, and we really appreciate them being a part of the entire operation here. I told you, we're, we're scratching the surface with them. What we do this time next year 
And what we do the entirety of next season, I think will be pretty awesome. But in the meantime, one more reminder for you guys before conference championship Saturday, you go find a money line. If you think Texas is a lock this week, forget about the 14 and a half for a second. Just take Texas on the money line, bet $5 on it. You'll probably win and you'll get 150 in return in bonus bets. It's that simple. And if you want the link, if you don't want to memorize all that small print there, just look on the YouTube channel, look in the show description here. There's a link for you to follow and you're good to go. We do things responsibly around here. We do not bet money we don't have. We don't bet with our gut, or at least we hope we don't. Uh, we do it We do it sharp, or we don't do it at all, but we do it at FanDuel, and we appreciate them being on board. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800 800- 327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. I don't have another best bet to add for you tonight, but I do want to remind you that on the Ramen Noodle Express, we've got SMU plus four and a half and we got Bama plus six and a half. Those are the games I'm on right now. Those games kick off at the same time. I think, I think they're both 4 p.m. Eastern. Or, or if, the, if not, they're staggered by an hour. But they're both happening right on top of each other, Saturday immunity. So those are two of the games on the Ramen Noodle Express right now. May add some more. We'll see. It's a condensed slate this weekend. So we're not, we're not going to bet every game just because it happens to be there. Okay, here's what I have to do. I have to go to the airport and fly to Las Vegas for the Pac-12 championship game. And then I'm going to be right back to Atlanta for the SEC championship game. I know I'm going to see a lot of you. I'm excited. I've taken about a billion and one pictures this year. Always encourage you to tag me if you take those pictures. I like to retweet or repost as many as I can. Um, And then Sunday, we're going to sort it all out right here as we always do, as professionally as possible. Appreciate you guys making it all possible. I hope you enjoy the games this weekend. Get to one if you can. And if you can't, at least get to Academy Sports and Outdoors and, and buy you a tent, sit out in the yard, and enjoy it in the elements. This is really cold, in which case, never mind. Buy a jacket from him instead. For producer Jesse, for director Colin, I'm Josh Bate. Take care. Have a great weekend. I'll see you back here Sunday night. Until then, God bless. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required, bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 
327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.